night back uh, and we've been talking behind the scenes of all sorts of exciting things. Welcome, Larry. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's uh, always, always a joy. Uh, we've had uh, Larry on in the past. Uh, Larry McKnight runs a gorgeous church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, Joyland, of which I've been a part and one of the things I was asking Larry what he wanted me to highlight and just kind of his way of being and, and navigating, and I can bear witness to this, is that um, he's always uh, growing in his intimacy with the Lord and his understanding of kind of what that journey is all about. It really is a never ending journey. Uh, it's been really amazing to, to be on that journey with you, Larry, and always fun to reconnect. And wow, what yeah, is the Lord is. showing you? Uh, yeah. so I'm, I'm really excited for today. So we're going to talk on something that you brought up called meta narratives. This is going to be amazing. I'm really excited. But Larry, what is a meta narrative? Help us here. Well, in uh, in philosophic terms, meta narrative is the underlying or the background story that uh, uh, basically tries to make sense of aspects of reality. You can think of it in terms of some secular things like social or political meta narratives. We're facing a lot of that in our country right now. You know, uh, that's why people can, (laughs) yeah, that's why people can, can have differing views of history Mm -hmm. because of the, the concept of a meta narrative, uh, like the current stuff, uh, some things that seem so obvious to some people and are, are so passionately held by other people, like current issues about gender and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The reason that people see what they see and the reason that they're committed to what they committed and can't see the other points of view a lot of times is because of meta narrative. And um, so I, you know, uh, communism versus socialism versus Mm -hmm. capitalism, uh, the lessons that are learned from history, you'd think that these things would just be objective bits of knowledge Mm -hmm. that you would, you know, assess the facts and then you believe them. But everything in life is interpreted and meta narrative scripture is, you know, we mentioned sometimes people <laughs> yeah. think of it in terms of your paradigms or sometimes mm-hmm. uh, people think of it in terms of assumptions. So what I wrote, I, I wrote a little definition that works, works for, for me and for our folks. And it's a fancy sounding word describing foundational assumptions. So assumptions is one of the things that's really kind of important. Uh, and then those assumptions take story form mm-hmm. and that story form is kind of what gives them uh, power because, you know, when you read a novel, for instance, you suspend your belief Mm -hmm. to fit in the flow of the novel. Otherwise Mm -hmm. you won't keep reading the novel. And so the fact that these assumptions take a story form, give them an incredible amount of power. And then this next point is that they're rarely questioned. So once Mm -hmm. something has worked its way as an assumption into your Mm -hmm. meta narrative, you stop questioning it. And you start questioning everything else yeah. by it. So I kind of chopped up that definition, but a fancy sounding word describing foundational assumptions in story form rarely question that lie, lie behind how and why people, including us, 
see and interpret data. And as a Christian, think scripture. You know, most everybody would say their beliefs are built on scripture. The truth of the matter is their beliefs are built on the interpretation of scripture. And, and so it's meta-narrative does that, how we see and interpret data, events, and personal experiences. So yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating topic to me. Uh, it really opened the eyes of, of Mm -hmm. us at Joyland when we got into this, because once you realize why something you can you can experience the influence of meta narrative. Mm-hmm. If somebody suggests an idea that you either automatically agree with mm-hmm. without confirming right. yourself or feeling the need to confirm it, or that you automatically reject mm-hmm. just because it's obvious. Right. Well, right. it's it's obvious because of your meta narrative, or it's exactly. not obvious because of that. So yeah, so so meta narrative, and again, that's why I, I kind of like the term meta narrative over ones I used previously like mm-hmm. paradigm mm-hmm. because paradigm seems like it's more of a mental situation and mm-hmm. meta narratives suggest the idea of a story. Exactly. So, so in, in a story, you not only have the cognitive components, but you have kind of all the emotional overlay. Um, it mm-hmm. also, you know, there are things that, um, that you pay attention to and you acknowledge and things you ignore. And so if it matches my meta narrative, it's so obvious. You're so stupid for not seeing this or whatever, right? And we yeah. start pointing, oh, can, right, fingers, and yeah. then, and but I'm ignoring all these other things because they don't fit my 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 meta narrative. And this is a human condition. It, it's not. I, I think it's a level playing ground. And being honest, uh, we have to admit that this applies to me. And so this yeah. is why when the Lord is leading and guiding us into all truth, that means he's going to be challenging our meta narratives. We're going to be shaken up uh, with the things that the assumptions that we have. And a lot of right. times what will happen, and I think this is, and I don't know if, if, if you're flowing with this, but it's like we as, as believers, uh, we use scripture to justify our meta narrative. And then we have scripture wars because I'm right and you're wrong. And so obvious. And what's right. wrong with you? And you're probably going to hell because you're disagreeing with me. <laughs> right. So, yeah. Anyway, a lot of it's yeah. a lot of the cause yeah. of division, I think, is that exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, because fundamentally, most people don't intentionally choose to believe something they think is wrong. Right. That would you would have to be like a, a, a mental you would have to have mm-hmm. some kind of mental illness or you would have to be in, in some other way incapacitated to mm-hmm. consciously hold the beliefs that you believe are wrong. Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if it's possible to tell you the truth. Uh, so that was kind of what led led. I don't think you really this. believe. I think sometimes you cr- might create a narrative that you want to believe. Um, and exactly. then, but in your heart, you don't believe it. So you kind of, you have this cognitive dissonance or this emotional dissonance, like this is what I believe, but really inside I'm having to struggle really hard to maintain my equilibrium because I don't really believe it. Yeah. Right. And mm-hmm. and you're absolutely correct that it causes all kinds of divisions. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it's, it, unless a person is willing to examine or at least understand and be open to the concept of of uh the influence of meta narrative their own mm-hmm. personal meta narrative mm-hmm. matter of fact I, I i i go so far as to say it's actually impossible to change your beliefs without exploring and modifying your meta narrative mm-hmm. and since your meta narrative is not something the other component to it it's not something you 
were the primary contributor to. Mm-hmm. You usually receive it from life's experiences or other people or people you trust or institutions you trust. Um, and it doesn't really matter if those facts match up with reality. Right. Like, right. like the current vulnerability of, of a generation to the, the beauty of socialism, I put beauty in quotes, completely ignores the actual outworking of socialism almost everywhere in history. Exactly. And but right, exactly. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, but mm-hmm. no, it's just that uh but you can you can find people that will adamantly argue mm-hmm. for something that if you don't if you don't share their lens, if you don't share that assumption, it's it, it's just almost impossible to have a conversation about. And and that's really true and I well, you know um, the Lord has given us one commandment to love as he loves. And with that, um, that's what we gather around with all our meta narratives, right? Mm-hmm. Um, because loving means I'm not going to divide from you if your meta narrative doesn't match my meta narrative and yeah. you refuse yeah. division, even though you may passionately disagree. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. may have everything lined up as to why you're right and they're wrong. Um, and we, you know, we, we, we see this working out, you know, it's interesting because we see it on, on a, um, a national level, an international level, a global level, and we see it in a micro level in, in our relationships. Um, just the meta narratives of, you know, it's interesting when it, when I, uh, counsel couples, they have meta narratives about what happened. Uh, and, and, you know, if you, if you, you can go to a birthday party, and interview everybody about what really happened, you will get a different story. And there's some, a lot of those are based on the meta narrative that you have. So this is, um, uh, we're, we're responsible for this in, um, in our relationship with the Lord on an individual level, on a, you know, social level, global level, all of that. Um, it, it comes down to that. But ultimately, uh, God is the one who is truth. And he's the right. one that's leading us and guiding us. So, which means he's going to be challenging us. Um, mm-hmm. and we don't, we don't like our meta narratives challenged. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier, I think you mentioned earlier too, that scripture is a part, it, it, scripture is a, definitely a part of, uh, most Christians' meta narratives. Mm-hmm. And the assumption from that then is that if, if you challenge that, that you're challenging scripture. But that's, that's one of the subtle things that having a discussion about meta narrative, once somebody gets the idea, okay, so there are a, a series of assumptions in story form behind what I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, then it just requires to me sort of the key, <laughs> I don't even know what to call this, the key position, the key point of self awareness that the scripture emphasized is God gives grace to the humble. And one of my, really life governing scriptures that has opened the door to conversations like this and to concepts like meta narrative and its influence is found ironically at the end of the love chapter in first Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, we know in part and we prophesy in part. And unless, unless a person takes that seriously, then it's very difficult to do what you said, to mm-hmm. have conversations with people you agree or disagree with, 
that, that create the, the emotions, understanding where the emotions come from. If we, if we realize that we know in part by design, not just as a unfortunate byproduct of being finite, but by design, then we realize that we need one another. We re- and, and that's the emphasis of, if, if you back up a little bit, the eye can't, in, in, in first Corinthians, the eye can't say, to the hand, I have no need of you, mm-hmm. uh, you know, or if, if, if everything was an eye, where would the sense of smell be that type right. of thing? So this, this is the product, the, the discussion, the conversation that we're having and able to have about meta narrative and its influence is the byproduct, I think, of humility. And, uh, I, I really believe the Holy Spirit's working on people t- to see that. And ultimately the truth will be exposed. Because like you say, you know, God is the truth. He sees things as they are. He knows what it's like. Jesus is the manifestation of that truth. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of truth leading us into all truth. And at some point on everybody's journey, they're going to have to confront the assumptions, the meta-narrative assumptions that are there. Well, and honestly, over and over and over, because ultimately, if God's, God's ultimate thing is to conform his kids into his image... That's really a, a mind, a heart, a way of being renewal. So which means we're going to be continually confronted. And, right. and I, and I love the fact that that whole knowing in part is comes before, um, the, the verses before about we need each other, the hand, the foot, the eye, all of that. And then after that is the whole thing on love. You see, because you can't approach this. If I'm assuming I know I can't, I, I'm going to divide based on agreement with my meta narrative instead of love, which outlasts it all outlasts mm-hmm. all my partial no- uh, knowledge that may be right, may be wrong, um, whatever, or probably a mixed bag. <laughs> and so I have to approach this. Yeah. Almost certainly a mixed bag. Yeah. Almost certainly a mixed bag. Yeah. And so God is the only one that can parcel this out. And I think, you know, you know, the fact that, um, Love is patient. Love is kind. The first attribute of love being patience, being patient with one another, recognizing, wow, your meta narrative is really offensive to me <laughs> or whatever. Or, 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 or my meta narrative is really offensive to you. Um, but yeah. that love is covering all things. And so in that, in that patience, I'm not willing um, to divide with you, to argue with you, whatever, even though I passionately feel I'm right and I've got the scriptures to prove it and I've got the scientific facts to prove yep. it as if science is a complete and is not partial knowledge. Um, and all of that. Um, and so, uh, inst- instead of battling back and forth, um, we can agree on what we can agree with and also be humble that, wow, I'm assuming I have blind spots. I'm assuming I'm knowing in part and I'm willing to be confronted um, with things. And that's not, we, we like as human beings, we like our boxes. We like security. We like having it figured out uh, because that's a comfort zone, but God's always going to shake us out of our comfort zones. And what things that you and I knew were true 10 years ago, we're like, Oh wow. Okay. Looking at that again. Sorry, yeah. I will let you talk. So this is yeah, such a hot sometimes button. ten weeks ago, yes. sometimes ten days ago, and once you realize that sometimes it's ten minutes ago, yes, then you realize, okay, so I am in a continual learning process. Uh, it goes back to something else, and we might have talked about this the last time I was here. That that I is still very very important to me is the revelation 
that Jesus gave, unless you turn, become like a little child, yeah. you won't enter the kingdom. That's, that was a great message, you know, guys. You need to listen to that. The openness <laughs> to learning, the openness to learning is a part of the growth process. Absolutely. And, um, you know, the, the, uh, the offense, the offense isn't really to the meta narrative. The offense is what's caused by the meta narrative yes. because generally we don't think of the meta narrative. And, and in other words, when's the last time that you were in a debate with somebody and the emotions were starting to rise and the question was asked either direction, why do you think like you do? That's just not, <laughs> unfortunately, that's not the direction we go. Right. If we did, if we did, can you help me understand why you think that? That's good. Well, most people would be like pause a little bit on that because we don't think why we think that way. We just think that way. We just, yeah. we just think it was there. You and I did a conference together and there was a debate on a sort of a controversial issue about eschatology we and had a punishment. Of hell. Those, yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a yeah. Questions and, that were... uh, and do you remember some of the comments that sort of just, they weren't, they weren't to engage. They were just, well, this is real. Hell right. is real or punishment is real. Right. It was just, it was a the, the folks. Yeah. The folks mm-hmm. in the congregation had to express mm-hmm. that is a, that is a, a byproduct mm-hmm. of the, like I say, the assumptions in story form that are rarely questioned. Yeah. And once you start questioning them, uh, if the foundation, if a person thinks gets to the point where the foundational things that they have already checked off the box, believe packed away right. are sitting there safe. If those get challenged, they almost always cause a, a rise in insecurity and insecurity, mm-hmm. I find, is almost always de- uh, defended by argument and hostility and a sense of rejection or judgment or something. Yeah. And uh, so the other benefit of at least recognizing mm-hmm. that there is this movie playing behind everything, this mm-hmm. story being narrated behind everything, is that, uh, wow, maybe the reason that I react so viscerally to this person who mm-hmm. I otherwise know to be a sincere, good-hearted person. Right is because there's something playing in my head that, that this is it's challenging. And yeah. It's a threatened, threatened yeah. response. And that's not too strong a word for it. That's mm-hmm. not too strong a word mm-hmm. for it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This, and this is why we duke it out when we're, um, you know, as, as believers, we'll, we'll do this over scripture, but just anything. I mean, uh, oh my goodness, the vaccines. I mean, pick a card, any card. Um, yeah. and this is such a, a, a huge thing. And when, 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 when we're rooted and grounded in love, that means we're rooted in something that's not just a narrative. It's a person. And so, and then God gets to say, okay, what does that really look like? And then we're challenged mm-hmm. with that. But if, if we're focusing on that rooting and I'm looking at you, I'm assuming coming from the place that you're not bad, you're not evil, you're not, you know, sending people to hell or going to hell, you know, you're, you're like good. And so even if it's shaking up my narrative, I'm, I'm looking, it's like, you know what, I could be wrong. Like I, mm-hmm. as a matter of fact, I assume mm-hmm. I'm wrong and I don't even know where I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm, I, there's ways that, so I can look at you and we can have debate and you can help stretch me because you are seeing things that I'm not seeing. And I'm seeing things that you're not seeing. Um, cause the meta narratives do that. They blind us to 
things. Absolutely. And and yeah, and absolutely. and as believers with believers in scripture, we pay attention to these scriptures and we ignore these other ones, right? Because they're not fitting with our narrative. Um, and uh, but this, I mean, this is anything. This is in relationships uh, when when you have couples that are falling out and they're just focusing, they're completely blind to the fact that they've been, you know, whatever. They're just focusing on what you did wrong, and you know, this is just how we have to realize we tend to function as human beings, uh, mm-hmm. believers or unbelievers. Uh, it's just, that's just a belief issue. But, um, and so, and then we can take that stance of humility to learn and grow and refuse um, to be offended. And when I sense that threat coming up in me, it's like, what? You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. when I sense that's coming up in me, I can really take that to the Lord and just use some self-control so that I'm not harming relationship, which is the most important thing, um, in right. the name of truth. You know, you brought up the, the attribute of patience uh, of love. Another really, really significant one is love doesn't seek its own. So good. And so that's yeah. what should, that's, that's the way that love opens the door to hear the other person, to really, to, to really care, uh, to know. You know, I, I want to know why you think the way you think. I, 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 I've not lived your life. I've not been under the teaching you've been under. I've not, um, had, I've, I've not had the, uh, encouragements and the affirmations and the disappointments that you've had. Uh, but those, those things. And, and you know, the, the one thing I want to point out too, I, I was just kind of listening to our conversation. The fact that we on the basis of meta narrative is not a bad thing. The alternative have sort of a set of in, in in the narrated form is that we would have to evaluate everything brand new every time. We'd be people that were paralyzed because how do you make a decision if you don't make an decision based on previous assumptions? The problem is we have to recognize that those assumptions those assumptions exist and that they are exerting. An unperceived power over our emotions, over what we see. Um, you know, back to the idea of, of people assuming that their Christian faith is based on scripture when in fact it's based on really, generally speaking, a very limited number of scriptures mm-hmm. arranged in a very serious hierarchy. And once you get past the top two or three that are in that assumed hierarchy, you don't see the rest of them. You just don't see it. Um, so like eschatological thoughts, you know, in the last days stuff is a classic case yes. where meta narrative governs everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you, if you believe a certain eschatological deal, if you believe the rapture is super clear in the scripture or you believe the various, you know, uh, pre or post or those crazy things. I, I mm-hmm. one time had a guy. Uh, he's a friend that, that uh, uh, <laughs> you and I both know. I won't mention his name. But he sent me a book about uh, the difference between a, a pre- and post-trib rapture position. <laughs> okay. And uh, I, I I told him, I go, uh, wow, I go, I appreciate the book. Uh, I read through it. Uh, I go, it just, it just doesn't make that much difference to me. And he was stunned. He goes, it's the most important question there is. Yeah. <laughs> that I, you know, I didn't have the meta narrative frame back then, but but that is because of you know something yeah. that he had interpreted from, from scripture and heard and attached a huge significance to 
made the, the decision, the, the decision between believing pre or post. And, and uh, so eschatology is that way. Uh, basic doctrines about what is salvation is that way. Uh, faith, hell, of course, and punishment and the future disposition of people, reconciliation, all things, all those things, um, stir up just an enormous amount of emotion because the threat they are to assumptions in the meta narrative. So that, uh, yes. (laughs) 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 Uh, So given the fact that we all have them, you know, it's, it's not like a, you know, case of smallpox or something. I mean, we just, this is, we all have meta narrative. This is kind of how we are wired because we can't um, evaluate. We've got so much input coming in to make Correct. sense of it. <clears throat> we can't think everything all the time. We would be paralyzed. It's kind of like um, our subconscious programs that we have about the world, which are basically meta narratives. Um, mm-hmm. They're just running automatic, and we don't think about them. And and you would what what you want is them to be the way God is seeing it, but. You know, mm-hmm. we know in part, um, and 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 a, and a lot of times we're not conscious of of these. So, given the fact that this is a thing, um, and there's the, the good aspect of it that we don't have to evaluate every single thing; we would just be inundated and 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 shut down. Um, but also that they do get in our way, um, and mm-hmm. they um, and they harm relationship. Uh, they harm our witness as a body. Uh, we're supposed to be famous for our love for one another. Sometimes we're not doing too good with that. Um, uh, <laughs> you know, um, and then, and then just the practicalities. What do we do with it? Like Larry, I, I have meta narratives right now. I need help. I'm seeing in part. Um, and I need help with my part. Um, and my part is getting in the way. What do I, Catherine tune? What does the audience do? How do you approach that given that it's a thing? Well, uh, if anybody ever came to me and said that, one of the very first things that I would absolutely do, having gone through all this process the last little while, is I would I would con- congratulate them. I'd say, you know, you're already miles ahead because you recognize that there is a narrative running in your mind and in your heart that um, has influence, and it, it's it's weird. It almost seems like you're a little. I mean, it seems it feels like the, you could be a little schizophrenic. Thinking, okay, so I believe something that now I'm challenging and, and, you know, no, that's, that's good. That's good to realize that there's a story that is causing these emotional reactions or divisions or separations is, is great. And, and I think that's actually like almost every journey. The first step is, is one of the most important because without it, you can't go the rest of the way. So I would encourage everybody just be open to the idea that. The, there is a story form of assumptions that your beliefs are built on and it, instances where you're beginning to recognize that is when you realize, wow, I had an emotional reaction to this person or this statement that was way over the, way over the top. Or I'm, I'm being pushed internally to judge this person as inadequate or wrong or stupid or something evil. Yeah. Or evil Mm -hmm. based on something that, you know, I mean, at first it felt like it was based on what they said or what they did, but 
there's more to it than that. So just the recognition that it exists is an enormously powerful first step. And I do think that the enemy who is judged, you know, as we know, for being a, a deceiver and an accuser, mm-hmm. I think that just the recognition that there's some things I'm assuming here that aren't right mm-hmm. goes a long way to defeating that accusation. Absolutely. Uh, it, it disempowers it. It, uh, mm-hmm. it does. It does. And then, uh, Reflecting on love and the characteristics of love, mm-hmm. love doesn't seek its own. So mm-hmm. why am I feeling so defensive? Mm-hmm. There's nothing that this person can believe that really has the power to threaten me mm-hmm. because I'm responsible for my own beliefs. So why is there an emotional rejection? Why is there an emotional attack? Um, so just the awareness that meta narrative has that kind of influence. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the next step would be if you're willing. Let's look at some places, uh, for instance, in scripture mm-hmm. that, that meta narrative exerts an influence over. Mm-hmm. And, oh. It's the glory. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Now you guys know I'm in a, I'm in a ugly little room with a green screen behind it instead of in my studio downstairs. Um, but let's look at, uh, Let's look at some scriptures. And then that's what we began to do. And then there are all kinds of outcomes uh, that this can lead to. Obviously, it can lead to acceptance with other people. It can lead to an easier thing of fellowship. Uh, one of the things that got pointed out to a lot of, uh, to me and to a lot of our folks at Joyland, is this meta narrative influence is most threatened when we believe or feel like our standing with God our standing before the eyes of our father mm-hmm. in the heart of our father is somehow dependent upon us being right about everything. Yes. That's, well, and, that, that's uh, honestly, that's a, that, that puts our salvation back on us and it makes you really insecure. Like I got to get my theology absolutely correct or I am going to hell or whatever. Uh, yeah. uh, you know, God's going to judge me. Um, absolutely. There's some things that we really need to be settled in. He knows, honestly, he knows our stupid. I mean, he knows, right? He knows where we're blind. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he's patient with us in our, he doesn't reject us in our process. So I think one, that's so yeah, great. One so of the I, things I, I say about that, that is, yeah. is if, if the best plan of redemption that God could come up with was that we all know everything right. Mm-hmm. That's not a very effective We are plan. in deep doo-doo, yes. <laughs> he, he should be able to come up with a better plan than that. And, oh, by the way, he has. It's yeah. it's called being a father. It's called loving. It's called, it's, yeah. it's called relationship. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and that's where, you're, that's where your security is, so that you don't have to be so threatened because eternity is not hanging in the balance. Right. And I, I, right. I think we, I think as believers, a lot of times we put this weight on ourselves, our eternal, uh, state and others' eternal states just hangs on us. So suddenly that, that is, that's a God level weight. Um, that, mm-hmm. um, so no wonder we're threatened and we knee jerk and we judge. Uh, and then, and then, and then the problem is we judge and then we're judged. And, and so we go back and forth and then the ante is upped and there's this huge mm-hmm. division where we're called to be one as he and the father are one and to love exactly. as he loves. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then, you know, the next step when I say, let's, let's make some, some comparisons. I've got a little list in front of me, uh, about 
a couple of different uh, w- important words in scripture, concepts in scripture, and how they might be seen a little differently. So let me slip my glasses on and just, I'll give a couple Perfect. examples of concrete things. And the idea, again, is not 100% that one of these is right and one of them is wrong. Uh, the idea is that if you think this about this, it will it will become one of those governing assumptions, those filters, those lenses, mm-hmm. and you can begin to understand then why you or someone else thinks differently. So let me let me share a couple of those and just see if this makes some sense. Um, so a fundamental concept like sin. One one way to think about that that's pretty common in our our Western Christian culture is that it, uh, sin is disobedience to God's command or a violation of His holiness. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think about sin as that. They didn't find it. Uh, is there any truth to that? Yeah, there is. I mean, you can see that pretty easy. To, God says do this and you do the opposite. You know, that's a sin. But here's another a definition of sin. Sin is seeking our identity in anything other than or outside of Jesus. Hmm. Now. Love it. That, I personally think that that, Second definition, seeking our identity in anything other than or outside of Jesus is is more close to the core of the issue of sin. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if you remember when Eve was tempted, uh, it was, you know, no, God knows that when you eat this, you'll be like God, mm-hmm. you'll be in it, which she already was like God. So there's a whole definition. Mm-hmm. But the idea of, of, of that changes our focus a little bit, you know. Um, judgment is another word. Uh, judgment, uh, is God pouring out his wrath on sin and sinners. Mm-hmm. And another way to look at judgment, and, and I'm gonna, uh, I, I'm gonna really stand up for the second one, is judgment is the crisis of light coming into darkness. Ooh, and the place that, that that thought comes from is literally from the mouth of Jesus himself in John chapter three. You know, one of the most famous verses, for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. That her believe in him be saved, not perish. But if you go down just a couple more, it talks about judgment. Jesus says this, this is judgment. That's a pretty powerful statement coming out of the mouth of the Lord. You should That's listen to what he says after that. This might be a thing. This yes. is judgment that light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. Wow. So um, the one, you can think of those first two definitions of sin and judgment, of, of disobedience, of violation of the holy holiness of God. And God pouring out wrath and, you know, we'll date ourselves a little bit. But if you go back to the old chick where God was sitting behind the bench, uh, the, the judicial bench, <laughs> yeah. and he had a, a gavel in one hand and a lightning bolt in the other hand, yeah. no face. And Jesus is down there acting like a, a defense attorney. That That's based on that. That's the judicial view of that. Yes. On the other hand, if sin is seeking uh, our identity apart from Jesus, we kind of conform with what Jesus again himself said that the Holy Spirit's going to convict the world of sin because they don't believe in me. Now that doesn't mean I don't think, or I think it's a simplistic way of thinking that that just means that they haven't confessed me or they don't believe that I exist. Right. No, they don't believe that I have come down here incarnate representing who you are, the one in whose image you were made and you are destined to be conformed to. So uh, is there truth to both of those things? Probably, but the assumption we make about them. So combining those two, there's an assumption that is such a part of evangelical Christianity. You hear people say it all the time. 
and it's it's really not even defensible in scripture and it's that god has to punish sin right well there's all kinds of scriptures that say that god forbeared sin for right. a season of time in the nation of israel uh God the, forgave the sin. Covenant. You don't you don't punish what you forgive. <laughs> That's right. And the, and and the new covenant that that is the covenant under which we are in relationship with God says, uh, "I will have mercy on your on your transgressions, and I will remember your sins no more." Yeah, so it, it's and see a person that that makes that statement in their presentation of beliefs, or makes that statement to affirm their commitment to, uh, uh, you know, living a holy life or whatever, and then the need for repentance. They're not doing it because they're dumb. They're not doing it. They're doing it because they have an assumption mm-hmm. that that's true. Exactly. That that somehow God, and when you begin to challenge them in any way, they'll, they'll, they'll read their own lens into it and say, well, you, you're, th- you're saying sin's not terrible. No, right. I think sin's horrible. Right. But I don't think sin is, you know, for instance, that obviously is going to govern how you interpret that passage where for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Matter of fact, here's another interesting thing. Where's that at in Romans? I don't, I don't remember. I should have written that down. Which one? The, the all have sinned five. and fallen short of the glory. Romans 5. Like 520. Something. Something. Sorry. That's a <laughs> phrase in the middle of a sentence. Yes, it is. Where right. grace is mm-hmm. talked about both before it and after it. Right. You know, but, but. Right. So, this is why so we need to mm-hmm. Yeah. So meta narratives blind us to those other, the, the rest of that sentence. Uh, another meta narrative verse that comes to mind is in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 there at the beginning. Eyes not seen and ears not heard what God has, uh, planned for those that love him. Mm-hmm. Um, people stop there. Right. You and know? But the very next verse yes. says, but he has revealed it to us by his spirit. And, uh, and, and so meta narrative is what, yeah. it's what we, uh, it's, it's, it's why we emphasize one verse over another. It's, it's, you know, um, anyhow. So th- there's a couple. Let me see if there's any more here that, do you have any thoughts you want to jump those in are, on? I, I'm, I'm loving this. This is so, I mean, we could launch off on all of those, but since the overarching topic is the meta narratives, um, I think, that's the point. These are major meta narratives that we have as believers, um, mm-hmm. that we look at our eschatology. I mean, I, I'm, I'm interested in what other ones, because I, 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 what I'm trusting the Lord for in this, for all of us is as we're, there's one or two things that we're discussing that the Lord's going to highlight. And it's like, uh-huh. yeah, I'm going to, we're going to grapple with this. Let me help you with this. Let me shake you up here a little bit here. So I can bring you up higher and see as I see. So yeah, what are your other uh, lists on your meta? Those are great, like sin, wrath. I mean, great. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So uh, let's see. How about how about this one? Justice. Uh, I have debates with people about justice all the time. God is just. You know. In other words, when 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 we talk about God being love, you talk about God being love a lot. And and and, and you know, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know if I shared this with you with you or, or your your uh, followers, but. There's only four places in the New Testament that say God is and oh, then yeah. follow that with a noun. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's some adjectives and other things, but those are about things God does. You know, But the four places are God is spirit. Mm-hmm. God is a consuming fire. Mm-hmm. God is light. Mm-hmm. And God is love. And that's twice. Mm-hmm. So um, John 4, talking to the woman at the well, God is spirit. 
um, Hebrews, I think, chapter 12 at the end, God is a consuming fire. First mm-hmm. John 1, God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. In First John 4, God is love, God is love. And then he also so, talks about I am the way, right? So you've got the I am, the way, the truth, the life. Yeah, so, yeah, there's, there's, mm-hmm, there's, there's the a lot of that. But, but mm-hmm. if, uh, so like, you know, your emphasis on, on God being love, People will, the, the reason that brought up is we're going to talk about justice just for a second. And people will say, yeah, well, God's, God's love, but he's also just. He's also just. Yes, he is also just. Absolutely. But justice flows from who he is. Yes. Who he is is not defined by justice. It's defined by love. It's yes. defined by spirit. It's defined by fire. And it gets into a lot of other interesting things. So here's a couple Perfect. possible definitions of justice. Justice is God giving everyone what they deserve. Or justice is God restoring everything to the way he intended it to be. Now, that second definition has a lot of support in scripture. Mm -hmm. Jesus must remain in heaven, be kept in heaven until the restoration of all things. Mm -hmm. Uh, The whole idea of redemption. I'm redeeming uh, all things to myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's a very powerful thing. But if you think of justice as everybody getting what they deserve and somehow then you end up talking about how God, that's what honors God is when somebody who's bad gets gets their deserts. Mm -hmm. And then you have to come up with all kinds of reasons why you're not one of those people. (laughs) Why? Because it's never me. (laughs) It's never me. It's always the other evil guy. Or you just, or just, uh, uh, or you realize that there's, there's an innate truth in that, that, that what applies to this brother or what applies to this brother also applies to me. And then. And then you're condemned. As a pastor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I see people that, that, that love God and have served God their whole life. And, and they're terribly insecure. Yeah. They, they yeah. really feel like it's going to be just sort of on the whim of, of the judge Absolutely. at the end, you know, and uh, it, it's, it's really tragic. Um, and, and see here, let's see. I've got another, I've got quite a few, but we don't have to go through them all, but there's a few that are interesting here. Um, oh, here's a simple one. Uh, eternal life. Eternal life is a future hope of bliss. That's one way to think of it. Mm-hmm. Eternal life is knowing and experiencing Father God and Jesus now by the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I think, <laughs> I think that scripture directly yeah, supports this. That. And again, Anytime something comes straight from the mouth of Jesus, and then doubly especially if it's coming from his mouth while he's praying to his father, I think, hey, you can take that to the bank. Yeah. This is true. eternal life. Yes. That they yes. would know you, the only true God, and Jesus whom you've sent. Um, you know, you alluded to the fact about our witness. That's there in that same prayer in John chapter 17. Jesus saying they will know mm-hmm. you because you love one another. They will know that the mm-hmm. Father sent me. You know, the key to evangelism is not the next program and it's not scaring people out of hell. It's manifesting love that is indisputable. Um, so that's it. And then, well, what that's else? Another that's another narrative right there, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so you can sort of see how these things, like we kind of progress from sin to judgment to justice you can see how, uh, in, in my definition of a meta narrative, it's assumptions, plural, mm-hmm. that get woven together in story form. Yes. So, uh, the idea, for instance, that we're all sinners, that, that my, my fundamental idea is a sinner saved by grace. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a truth that I'm a sinner and I'm saved by grace? Absolutely. Is that something you want to hang 
the foundational assumption of your identity on? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because that diminishes the reality of God's intentions. It diminishes the, uh, I don't know, it's just a mess. So. <laughs> so it's the glory. It keeps on coming through. You can't help yourself. <laughs> Maybe that's it. I don't know. I, I would that's my meta-narrative, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs> but yeah, let's take that as a meta-narrative. Well, there's opposition coming on. The glory is overwhelming. Praise God. Yeah, that's great. Um, um, any any other ones that you want to share? Any other on your meta-narrative list? These are fascinating. They're uh, well, good for I, us. I, I, I can tell the story a little bit about um, one of the one of the concepts. Sure, this is a little more complicated one. The gospel. What is the gospel? Ooh, yes. It's the news of your opportunity to be saved through belief in Jesus. Is that true? Yeah. Another way to look at the gospel is it's the news that Jesus is in union with you now, so believe in Him. And and. The, so the Sorry. differences in these <laughs> assumptions, happy. you know, the, the the differences in these assumptions are subtle, kind of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and I don't, you know, I've not obviously gone scripture to scripture through these things. We did when we went through the study in a longer form, but people can can look at that. Like, what do you, even what is salvation? Salvation, mm-hmm. uh, the way I grew up thinking about it, mm-hmm. is being forgiven and going to heaven when you die. Right now, I think that salvation is the freedom to shamelessly enter God's presence right now. Wow. And when you go back to, to, to what Adam needed to be saved from in a manifest way after the fall was his tendency to hide and to be afraid of God. Mm-hmm. Creating and to be a sense of separation, right? Fear very much so. Very shame. much so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. man, separation mm-hmm. is an amazingly mm-hmm. influential assumption component. Mm-hmm. Um, if you believe, if a person believes that their sin separates them from God, mm-hmm. not in the sense of making them hesitate to go to him, but in the sense that God Turns pulls back. himself away, mm-hmm. separates himself. You know, you hear it all the time. It creates a whole false notion of atonement. Uh, I mean, how many times have we all heard that God can't look at sin? Well, that's not true. You know, Keep he came to become us <laughs> and he, he'd have to walk around heaven like this all the time. Right. Uh, and, and, and the idea that, that God, re, God had to pour out punishment on Jesus. No, no. Um, so yeah, these things are, are very influential about what you can and can't see. Um, now what I try to do is not dismiss the truth of, of certain definitions. Um, so yeah, I mean, am I a sinner? Yes. Do I know? Do I do I have capacity to sin? First uh, John says that if you say you have no sin, you make him be a liar. Right. Is that something of being my created destiny? No. Sin was a violation of my created destiny. So as as I move toward truth, I take into account that created destiny. I was made as a part of humanity way back then. And God said, this is very good. And that, just that changing assumption, right? like you mentioned it earlier in our conversation, you look at people and you see that fundamentally they're good, even though they're acting like real, you know. Even though they're acting in evil ways, right? <laughs> I mean, let's just put it where it's at, right? Um, 
but yeah, are they, were they fundamentally created as evil beings? Is the image and likeness of God somehow wiped away because of their behavior, because of their confusion, because of their, their choices? Uh, I don't think we're that powerful, quite frankly, but, um, uh, but you know, yeah, so that's a, that's a, that's a, um, a, a meta narrative for sure. Um, why don't you give us one more yeah. and, and I, I could, we could do this all day long. This is so fun. Yeah. Yeah. I'll give you one more and then I'll, I'll, uh, um, I'll, I'll tell you a story that, that we most profound impact of studying meta narrative and we won't have time to go into the detail on it, but it was, it was related around that idea of the gospel. Uh, I went online afterwards realizing what are our assumptions. I went online to, to various ministries and churches and stuff that had uh, what is the gospel? What is the good news? Mm-hmm. And it was very interesting. There were so many differences, all total of the four that I looked at. And there were some pretty famous ministries people would recognize. Uh, there were about, I don't know, 40 or so different scriptures that were used. Probably about 20 of them were used multiple times in different ministries. Um, the ratio of love and redemption to concepts of sin and judgment mm-hmm. was probably on most of them. They were as high as a hundred percent on some where every one of their nine scriptures, wow. for instance, were about sin, uh, and redemption or, or sometimes like one to nine, one to eight. Wow. Uh, and, and the, the highest ratio was probably about, um, Four to one, four wow. to one about sin, judgment, <laughs> and stuff like that. And so you kind of got, yeah, you kind of got from that the impression mm-hmm. that that the defining factors in that ratio mm-hmm. about what Jesus came to do, what the Father's plan was, why mm-hmm. things were created, mm-hmm. so on and so forth. Uh, sin was given a very, very defining role in identity, and um, oh, that's another question is or another thought is that meta narrative. One of the huge immediate byproducts is what is the foundation of our identity? Are we destined to be conformed to the image of his son? Are we created as good people? Are we, are we, does God think of himself as our father or does he think of himself primarily as our judge? You know, or is it some uh, sort of impersonal thing like being just our creator? Those are all informed very strongly by, by meta narratives. So then what we did at Joyland, uh, and perhaps we can talk about this next time. Um, we said, okay, so if here's four prominent ministries and they have the freedom to choose their gospel, gospel scriptures, mm-hmm. so do we. Uh, and now I'm not trying to, you know, you, some people would probably say, oh yeah, well, Larry's, he's, he's soft on sin, all this kind of stuff. So he won't have anything about sin. No, no, there's plenty about sin in our gospel. Narrative. But we just went through and made a couple decisions. One, we want to go back to origins. So we want to include Genesis. Second, we want to include some prophetic stuff from the Old Testament as a part of the gospel, not just five scriptures out of Romans, uh, like the Roman road kind of thing. And then we want to, want to talk about it. And, uh, it was pretty powerful, actually. Wow, that's so great. Uh, and that forced really you good. to go back and really grapple because you're looking and you're saying, okay, so here are the kind of the meta narratives out there, right? From, from respected, you know, wonderful ministries, but these are the meta narratives. So what does this mean as I'm grappling? 
What does this mm-hmm. really mean? And I'm, I'm relooking and relooking and, um, and, 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 um, not just picking, you know, not, not just look at the same scriptures that they grappled with their meta narrative, mm-hmm. which are kind of a, a sampling or whatever. Uh, but as something bigger and, and overarching and undergirding that's more sweeping than just this focus. Well, and, and, and it's, it's not even, it's not even just the narrowness of the focus. It's the interpretation mm-hmm. of what those scriptures mean. Right. That's where the meta narrative really started to be revealed. Mm-hmm. Um, because the assumption was, this means this, and right. it means nothing else. Right, and that's one of the interesting, interesting things that that meta narrative, just just being exposed to it, just just being humble enough to say, okay, I realize I'm being influenced by this. Um, we don't we don't understand how selective it makes us over the scriptures that we think are relevant, mm-hmm. and uh, it goes back to that idea of we know in part. I ask my frequently. Uh, in conversations when I'm with pastors and it gets around, we have that kind of discussion. A question I'll ask them is, so how comfortable are you with the part you don't know? Mm, wow. That's good. And it leads to a lot of interesting conversations. And one of the aspects of that, that's interesting is how tempting we are to think that, okay, I, most everybody would agree. I don't know everything, but they would think that most everything that's important. I know. Well, that's kind of arrogant. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yes. I, I I don't I don't know everything, but everything that's important I know. So <laughs> I go, huh? Yeah, you. And then once you, I'm so glad you. Once got you that. expose, <laughs> yeah. Once you expose that to to a good-hearted person, mm-hmm, open-minded like, person, a, a person who's really you know, yeah, fundamentally humble. It's humbling. Person, they go, wow, that's that's really true. You know, I really I really thought that. And so when the gospel's built on on just a very select view of of. And it's not even that the scriptures are the assumed components. They're the byproduct of the meta narrative. In other words, you choose a scripture right. that makes sin the defining issue. If mm-hmm. you think sin is the defining issue, right? Uh, if you think that that's how God sees us fundamentally as sinners, mm-hmm. if you think God fundamentally sees us as children who've gone, gone astray and he's like the, the father in the parable of the prodigal son who's waiting, watching, mm-hmm. ready to receive. That changes how you think about the gospel. So, changes. yeah, you know, perhaps the next time we get together, I'll I'll pull up that that list of of um, scriptural foundations based on a different narrative, and uh, it's pretty easy to read, pretty pretty fun. To, it it's fabulous. changed the way we do it. Now, what I'm hoping is, as a pastor, is that it's going to work its way into the practical sharing of the gospel that we right. at Joyland do, right. and we can, you know, the, the, basically what we want to do. I want to share a gospel that the Holy Spirit can say amen to. Exactly. And I want to live in such a way and I want to treat people in such a way that corresponds with how the father sees them and treats mm-hmm. them himself. And uh, I, I really don't want my meta narrative to secretly be working against that all the time. Right. Oh, that's, that's so good. And that's so beautiful. I mean, that, that really is the heart of God and, and helps keep you teachable, correctable and really his heart his heart for, mm-hmm. for his kids, for all his kids, the ones that know him, the ones that don't know him or the ones that yeah. know, know him in part <laughs> and the ones us. that know him in another part. <laughs> yeah. That'd be the other part of it. Yeah. Yes, yes. You know, I, 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 we're kind of getting close to a closing, I guess. Yes. So the, you had 
you had sort of started the conversation by saying, if, if a person came to me and asked about this, what, what would I say? Let me reinforce that. The fact that you're, you're humble enough and you're secure enough to realize that there is a string of assumptions that have taken a story form that are governing what you can and can't see and that they're not all correct. That is a huge first step. And then immediately be assured that the fact that you're not right about all those assumptions, God knows that, and it has never affected his love for you. Absolutely. It never has affected his love for you. So you are in a secure relationship mm -hmm. with a father who loves you. Jesus has done everything necessary for God to say without qualification, I will be their God. They'll be my people. Uh, I, I, he's written his law in our hearts, put it on our minds. Um, he wants us to know him. No one uh, from the least of the greatest is going to have to say no to the Lord because everybody's going to know there's a knowledge of God in you. And God can say without qualification, I will have mercy on your transgressions. And that's taken from Jeremiah's prophecy where the word in the Old Testament is forgive. I will forgive your transgressions and I will remember your sin no more. That's That's the relationship we're in. The rest of it is working out our salvation. Yes, in fear and trembling, in truth, in revelation by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, when the Spirit comes, he's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to take the, what the Father has given me and declare it over you. And oh, by the way, this is in John 9, 16 there. By the way, the Father's given me everything. So it's it's no wonder that we don't know everything. And it's no wonder that some of the things we think we know aren't correct. Mm -hmm. But that's not that's but we're just adored in the process. Yeah. That's right. That's I remember right. I, I was struggling with a, a concept and I was so frustrated because I knew I didn't know, right? I knew I didn't know, but I just couldn't get it. And, um, and I was just, God, I'm just so clueless. And the Lord just said, I just adore you in your cluelessness. And, you know, yeah, yeah. He just, we just have to rest the fact that we're adored with what we don't know, with what we do know. He applauds us as we're growing in the truth, mm -hmm. but love is never up for grabs. Your acceptance no. as a son and daughter is never up for grabs. He chose you. And so yeah. we can rest in that in the midst of like, Oh my gosh, I, I don't know. You know, what, what is sin? What is all this stuff? <laughs> yeah. And before uh, we ever learned a thing, before we yeah. ever, uh, made a, a good step in repentance. He knew us. He knows us. He loves us. He, he, he thinks of himself as a father. Jesus preached all the time to crowds of people who had not had any kind of evangelical conversion. They'd not had any kind of gospel conversion. And he said, your father, your father, your father. He came to reveal our security as, as sons of God, daughters of God, children of God. And uh, so start there. Realize that you've picked up some things you know, a lot of these assumptions come from early teaching. They come from people that we trust, like early pastors, or I was in Bible college. Mm -hmm. And I realized there's a lot of things that I was taught in Bible college. You're, you're unlearning. Tend, well, yeah, <laughs> and there's an unlearning situation. And there was a lot I was taught that was wonderful. You uh, know? Yes, that's uh, true. And we honor that. Books yeah. you read, mm -hmm. assumptions, uh, movies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Those early depictions of, like, say, the chick tracks. Uh, you know, a lot of people probably came to know Jesus through that stuff. But did they come to know the truth about all that he was and all the father was? 
they had to learn that somewhere else along the way. Yeah. And, but uh, thank God they had that as a stepping stone, right? You know, that, that, uh, so, so you don't, you don't have to be angry at everybody who just didn't know better that, because I don't know better. There's a lot of things that right. we can honor because there is some good stuff and, and let the Lord sift out the wheat from the chaff, however, however you want right. to say it. Um, right. yeah. Exactly. And, mm-hmm. and you got to kind of let yourself off the hook too, mm-hmm. uh, because we're on a journey. We're on a journey from starting knowing almost nothing. Yes. You know, yes. like, uh, you know, that's all we got when we we're first born. And, right. and so it's, it's a, it's a huge, uh, growing and learning process. Uh, it's kind of impossible to learn without revelation and the Lord governs. He knows what we're capable of dealing with. Uh, mm-hmm. can you imagine if, if, if we were somehow held accountable to know everything at one moment? <laughs> that would not be yeah 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 it would be like that old movie mars attacks where their heads blow up when people start singing or whatever yeah, it, it, right. anyway yeah we could go on you know i um uh, i'll be ready ne- next time we, we we get together Catherine. um i'll i'll have that little list of gospel That's great. thoughts i think that will help sure. people because this has stirred up some stuff so I think that will be fabulous. So, so, uh, in the meantime, uh, Larry, where can they contact you? Uh, where can they co find you? Okay. Well, uh, they can find the basic information out about, about our church, Joyland mm-hmm. at joylandlife.com. Mm-hmm. And we have, uh, two or three online opportunities that people could join from anywhere, mm-hmm. uh, on Zoom. And that information is there on the meetings page or, uh, joylandlife.com forward slash join. And then if they're in the Pikes Peak region, we meet on Friday evenings uh, in Green Mountain Falls. And as you head down into Green Mountain Falls, the church is right there on your left. You can't miss it. Um, you can put Joyland into to, uh, Google and it'll take you there. Uh, except we, we were down in Springs for a little while and a couple of the Google functions still have our old address and I don't know if you've ever tried to work it in Google to correct something. It's, <laughs> oh, it's a that. long process. It's a little bit like them um, trying to get them to change their, me- their, their meta narrative. <laughs> yeah. And, and, uh, and then also most of our, our Friday messages are online on Facebook mm-hmm. under Joyland. You search Joyland Church. And, uh, and then we've got some new stuff coming up. I'm building a library of short teachings. You know, we talked about before that it's, it's hard for people to jump in and get caught up based mm-hmm. just on a, on, on a one message a week kind of idea. So I'm actually very busy. And if I had a prayer request for you and your listeners, that would yes. be it, that, that I'd be able to capture some of these thoughts in short five, 10 minute videos, just so people could, uh, you know, like they hear something about yeah. meta narrative right. and they, they, they can look at it and, and in our busy lives, they don't have to invest, you know, 50 minutes for a message right. or whatever the case is. So, right. but joylinelife.com would probably be the one. And then um, there'll be some more stuff in the future as we get together. That sounds fabulous. Well, I'm really looking forward to our, our next talk. Uh, this will be great. And yeah, we can just uh, pick up. There's so, so much here. So this has been fabulous. Thank you so much for, for coming on. Well, thank you for having me. And thank you for, because uh, I know how steady you have been in affirming and confirming the love that father has for people. Uh, you guys, you, you and Brian exemplify that and you've thank lived you. that way ever since I've known you. Thank so you I appreciate so it. Okay. <laughs> Robert, why don't you come in here? Come here, buddy. He wants to show you his picture. Just so 
He's oh, oh that's cool. Giraffe. Showing, yes. He's all into giraffes. Okay, buddy. I saw your Facebook no post on there. Remember that? that was great. <laughs> so Very Robert's cool. into, into uh, saving the wildlife. Good job, buddy. Anyway, welcome on the show. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> this is the Toon household. Welcome to the Toon household. Anyway, Absolutely. Thank, <laughs> thank you so much, Larry. And I, I so appreciate that. That's beautiful. And I'm, I can't wait for our next uh, our next time. I'm looking forward to it, too. I'll try to have my green screen issue solved. I don't know even oh, what that's the problem right. is. It was, it was the glory. That's my story and I'm sticking to it. That's right. God bless you, Mr. Scott. Thank you so much. And everybody, you have a fabulous day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.